Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Game of Life with Dan and Herman. Daniel Swain uh, brought us a very special guest. It was a surprise to me, but I sort of like figured it out, like why and who it was <laughs> and uh, try to keep it suspicious. But then yeah. again, I'm very happy to have you here. Dan, please introduce our guest. We've got Phil Highland on the show today. Who's Phil Highland? We used to work with him. Right. And now he's retired, recently retired. Yeah. So recently, recently retired Phil. What's retirement like? Yeah. Well, so far, retirement has been like one big Saturday. Yes. I've said that a number of times because that's what it kind of feels like. I've got weekend jobs to do. We've all got things to do on a Saturday. Mm. Then some of us have to go back to work on Monday. Yeah. So Some of us don't and it's just continual Saturday. There's always a Saturday job to do. Do you get that feeling that, okay, um, Sunday's over, now tomorrow's uh, work day, okay, let me get ready and you're like, um, I'm retired. Yeah. So. <laughs> I wake up in the morning. No, I don't. No, the, the waking up in the morning has been nice. There's nothing to rush up to, but I don't sleep in. Mm-hmm. We're not uh, We're not big sleep inners, but yeah, there's, there's grandkids around to keep us getting you know, several days a week. There's things that have to be done. Was retirement well, got, something you were looking forward to? Uh, retirement was, yeah, and I was expecting it. I was mm. expecting to do it and I was starting to plan it. Like I spoke to my son well, a few years ago when he turned 40, a couple of years ago, and I said, gee, you're going to have to start planning for retirement. And he said, Dad, I'm, I'm already planning for retirement. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I'm 60 and I haven't really planned for retirement. But we had recently started uh, making a few plans, making a few changes. So we we were expecting to wind down. Mm. I was expecting to say, that was what we I, th- I thought that's how I yeah. thought it would work. You wind down, we might be able to cut down to three or four days a week, use up some long service leave. Mm. Um, so we had a few plans. We bought ourselves a camper van, as you may have, I may have told anyone who had an ear. Um, so in the back of my mind, we were setting things up. Right. And then I came back to work after a little stint of, stint of long service. And everything changed. Suddenly I'm retired. <laughs> was it sooner than you expected it to be? Yeah. Right. Yeah, it, it was. Uh, but I was um, certainly planning it. Hmm. And, and as I say, planning and winding it down. When we came back, the, uh, they're going to do any details what we do. I understand that uh, you know, the, the role, I wasn't sure what the role would be. We would, we had talked a little bit some time ago, but maybe I'll do this, maybe I'll do that. So had a meeting coming up and I thought, maybe I'll do this. I might suggest we do that. That'd be great. I can do this sort of uh, role, this guiding, mentoring, old bloke around the factory role. I went into the office and the boss said, I reckon that's the end of the road, Phil. Now, that was, <laughs> yeah. was a shock. Yes. It was a surprise. And, uh, but it, uh, some people at a different stage of life, you might be thinking, oh my God, yeah, they've just sacked me. No, it's just, we don't have a clear role and we know there's this opportunity for you to do something else with your life. And I had been heading that way. So yeah, I, I didn't walk around going, oh my God. Yeah. I came out going, oh my God. <laughs> if that wouldn't have happened, would you have continued to work? Sure. For I how had, long? I had another one. Two years left in one you? One or two. That's it. <laughs> one year, two years. Um, yeah, we know some others around the office who uh, have got 10 years on me in right. terms of yeah. age. 
Yeah. Who I still got. Yeah. Um, I think I've got something else to do. Yeah. And like lots of these things in life, when you jump into a podcast, for yeah. example, I might do that one day. I might do that. I can't do it today. I've got to go to work. You know what would be Not cool? Well, yeah. What would be cool is having a little podcast set up in your camper when Phil and just <laughs> traveling around Australia, just talking to talking to people. I can see you do that. Yeah. That that could be cool. Yeah. Um but I'm a little bit also private in that sense. So yeah. traveling right. around we, we do kind of like to be on our own. We we do our own thing. We're happy to meet the people around us. It's been great. Mm. And we've met some really good people traveling around. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, but we do yeah, I don't think I'd be podcasting it. I, yeah. I could imagine doing some sort of blog or a vlog, you know. Right. But there's a bit of that around. Mm. Um, It'll be fun, though. It'll be fun to hear, uh, like, a perspective of someone who's retired now traveling, potentially traveling Australia. I wouldn't be alone out there. Yeah. We can edit that bit out. Right. <laughs> we could do that. I could quit my job and just, you know, we can travel around. But let me, let's, let's take it back. So let's take it, let's take it back to... Imagine if we both were sitting, or all three of us were sitting on a bench in high school. What kind of person, what kind of uh, boy would you be back then? Take oh, us back to school, high school, if you remember it. I probably hid somewhere in the middle of it all, you know. I, <clears throat> in, in high school, I was sort of a, a, an average student. I wasn't dumb. I wasn't, uh, wasn't particularly smart or perhaps... I wasn't particularly applied as much. I, I, I did year 12, didn't do particularly well in year 12. Right. And that was probably because I was reaching that age where there's a lot going on when you're 17 and 18 years old and I probably didn't apply myself very well. Right. And that, that I may have relaxed my way through uh, that part of secondary school. It was, it was pretty cool. But I was, no, I just I hadn't thought of the question, but I'm sort of, running down the middle of the road sort of kid. We had a, a fairly simple upbringing. When I grew up, I actually grew up in Laverton. Yeah. That's, that's on the Air Force Base or on the edge of the Air right. Force Base. Been there. Been there? Yes, I have. Beautiful place. Uh, the Air Force area where the museum is, right? Um, Point Cook Museum? Yes. Okay. Is it, uh, that's Point Cook? That's Point Cook. My bad. So uh, Laverton was... There was two bases within a few, five kilometres or so right. of each other. But when I lived there, there was just the Air Force Base and married quarters and a few houses. Right. And I could just about see Point Cook, which was another small Air Force Base, the, the actual flying train. Right. So Laverton was um, a bit more technical. There was a lot of training right. happening there, but it was the trades training. And my father was a... A technician and had become a trainer, so and and helping develop some of the new systems. So he he worked out there, and we lived on the edge of the base. And I, I go back there now and look at the pretty simple, and I always knew it was a fairly humble sort of upbringing. I drive through that area now, and I stop and park and think, oh my god, we were poor. <laughs> look at that, we live there, but. Um, yeah, no, it was a it was a really uh, nice, relaxed sort of upbringing up there. Right, plenty of room around us to ride a bike. 
How, how, and also, can I ask so you? We, we jumped way back there. From, from <laughs> yes. No, no, no. That's good. Um, also, can I ask you to just keep a mic fist away so that... Yeah. Because it'll, yeah, it'll sound good to us, but yes, that's much better. So every, like, I believe that our childhoods have like flash memories. We don't remember all of it, but hmm. we remember flashes of it. And can you take us back to what was it like? Because I'm I'm sure there was a very simpler time. Um Oh, when you were a child, absolutely, it was a simple you, time. You didn't have internet. You didn't have right. Um, it, as I say, it was a fairly small group of houses there. Uh, yeah, a lot of kids, a lot of young kids would be uh, hanging out together. Just uh, you, you make these cliches about it. we used to be able to go out and, and mum would say be back by tea time, but before it gets dark. What's tea time? What's the limit? Uh, Dinner. Dinner time. So like nine, eight or nine? I don't know, but you want to be back by six. Six, right, yeah. But I don't think we went that far. I was probably Mm. hanging around the house a fair bit as well. But, yeah, we could could wander the paddocks. We could discover what's under the rocks. Right. Laverton and not not much around us. We had a a fair colony of snakes around the place. Mm. So every now and then we'd... We'd go out hunting snakes sometimes while waiting for the school bus. That was one of the famous stories from the. You hunted the, snakes, yeah. gangster. <laughs> yeah, you just wandered around looking. Someone had the great idea that we pick up a rock, we'd find a snake. Right. Yeah. I, it might have been just before my time. I've got a memory of it, but it might be my brother's memory yeah. that somebody did get a snake, small one, just before the school bus came. Got it onto the bus, let it go on the bus. <laughs> So we had the snake on the bus scenario. Is the bus driver snake, snakes on the snakes bus? Snakes on the bus. <laughs> <laughs> snakes on was the it bus. was it like a, um, for lack of a word, cool thing? Lack of a word, a cool thing to have a snake or be you know like I found a I feel found a oh, snake. That's yeah. so cool. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> like <laughs> someone had a brand new car, like a brand new sports car. One of the kids across the road came around uh, one day. Just we just hanging off just outside. I remember coming along and say, I got a snake. Do you want to buy it? <laughs> buy it? Yeah. And I, I don't know how I ended up with the snake, but I Jesus. ended up with this, this small, it was a small, they're all tiger snakes and brown snakes out there, but it's a small tiger. And uh, I clearly remember having this shoebox with a snake in it. And then, <laughs> what now? Now I've got this. You snake. bought it. So impulse buy. How much money would you make off a snake? I don't know. That we, uh, I don't even recall having money. Um, was but, it your first business venture? Yeah. Selling snakes? It wasn't very good because <laughs> a couple of days later I went down to, to the shed where I'd put this box with a snake in it to check how the snake was going. I'm not sure what to do with it. Not a problem. It wasn't there. Right. The box was there. Snake was gone. Wow. <laughs> I can't believe you were dealing snakes. I, I got out of the shed fairly quickly because I wasn't sure where the snake was. <laughs> yes. Where did it go? No. Wow, so, I've done that. I've done similar things. I was a very uh, compassionate kid growing up, so I remember I was in supermarket one day buying some groceries, and mom sent me to get some milk and blah blah blah. So I saw this tiny puppy in the side of the side of a shed under a shed, just laying there by itself. Usually, um, puppies are in groups in a litter, right? And this bad boy was just by himself. He was just sleeping and he looked cute. So I picked him up, put it in my jumper, and brought it home. And I don't know what to do after that. Yeah. What was your mom's reaction? Uh, she's she's always been scared of dogs. Really? She, she's had a traumatic experience with dogs. She's always been scared of dogs. 
and she didn't know what to do. She's like, we have to get rid of this. <laughs> I think the traditional line is, mum, it followed me home. Can we keep it? Yeah, well... It didn't follow us home I because understand. I used to live on the third floor and you had to just go <laughs> stairs up and down. So there's no way a puppy could have followed me home. <laughs> no, I, I, I but still, you know. I had uh, two dogs that followed me home. Right. Air quotes around that. Right. I had to drag one of them back. But, uh, yeah, two two puppies that I figured were just wandering the streets and they, one a big white fluffy Samoyed and one other little, I forget what the other one was, but, yeah, these dogs. Follow his home. Mm. Right, right, right. So we're, since we're back at you dealing snakes, <laughs> um, <laughs> do, you, do you miss that time? And do you think that your kids or your grandkids could grow up in that time? I, I do. I guess what's in you is, is in you. Because I can remember that, that finding snakes. I also carried a snake one kit. I remember that. Wow. I, somehow I, was, I think I was in the St. John Ambulance, so you had this... You knew what was supposed to do for snake bites. It's, it's all gone out the window now. But I can remember I could get up on a Saturday morning and I'd be out of the house before anyone woke up. Right. Go for a long walk or a bike ride and I'd be around, yeah, looking for snakes, wandering the train lines, wandering to neighbouring suburbs. And that curious nature, as I say, I guess sometimes what's in you is in you. Um, when I was 30s and 40s, married kids... Um, had a bike and I'd enjoy getting up before everyone else still. Right. Leave the kids and uh, wife in bed, get on the bike and just go out exploring the area around me, hills, dirt tracks, until it got too busy with cars. That's why I like to get up nice and early. I'd be back when they're all getting up having breakfast. So that same sort of wandering thing. Mm -hmm. An adventurous spirit has always stuck with you? Yeah. That curious, I guess. Yeah. Happy to just have a a wander around, and now we will do that in the car as well. Nowadays, so, so many years later, we'll that's how we get some of the places we go. Like I've driven somewhere, I've got this map, right? I think there's a road of it. I think there's something we should go for a little bit of a wander and see what's up that track. Mm. So we still do that. Uh, so I guess you can have that in you, in your nature, and you can just. Be happy to do that. Can, can kids do that now? We probably don't let them so much. Mm, right. I think we're too distracted to do that now. Yeah, too many things to do. Yeah. How do you think you would have grown up um, as a kid if you had today's technology? Do you think you'd be that same adventurous, curious person? I did watch some television, you know. I did. <laughs> I wasn't always well, out the snakes. There was cartoons on television. Yeah, so. but that's that's different compared so, to what we have with the internet. Yeah. Uh, no, I probably would have dived into the internet. It's a fascinating place full of rabbit holes and places to dig you into. Are, and you you can, hey, you can wander the internet just like you used to That's wander true. the streets and then finding what's up that gully at the end of a the road there. Growing up, every kid has one or two that mischievous things that they do. For us, it was just, you know, burning up crackers and stuff in random places. What did you guys do? <sighs> You mentioned crackers. Yeah. Crackers are something we don't really have in the same way anymore, but we had crackers. We had cracker night. We would have little wars between our, our friends with crackers. Right. <laughs> uh, well, they'd be like grenades. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. We would literally like crackers and you just throw and them yeah. at each other and we'd be hiding behind chairs and throwing crackers. Same. Every now and then someone gets a, a 
then. A little mm-hmm. bit of a burn on her finger, probably not too much. Um, I didn't do too much with the putting large crackers in other people's letterboxes and seeing what happens. Can you <laughs> get a couple of penny bungers and blow a letterbox apart? But you can, by the way. You can, they can make a big bang. They do, absolutely. Been there, done that, 100%. Mischievous? No, not so much. Don't think so. Mm. My, my older brothers might tell me differently, I don't recall. Do you remember any lessons from you being young? I learned a lesson the hard way. I had I had like a stone in my hand and I was just like roaming around the streets and I was doing just swinging my arm and it just launched out of my hand unintentionally and landed on someone's windscreen <sighs> and it shattered. How did the, win- yeah, how did the right? windscreen? Face. It didn't take it well. <laughs> no. So I had to make a conscious decision. Should I run from the situation or should I confront it? Because it was one the car was a, of our neighbors and they were, you know, close neighbors and we used to talk to them and they used to bring us sweets and stuff. So I took a decision of intentionally going up to their house and saying, I'm sorry, I did it. And that was, I remember it very distinctly because I made a conscious decision of not running away from that situation. Did you remember? Do you remember? And they belted your ass for that? No, they didn't. <laughs> they didn't. Not. They didn't. No. It was like, that's okay. Don't worry about it. Oh, so yeah. they're all happy about it. I don't have too many regrets of things like that, but a couple. That stood were, in your head. A couple of we should have spoken <coughs> out about it. And then sort of silly things, but we were away on a, a camp, um, local kids all grouped together. Um, we would go away, organise camp. I just remember a, a couple of things. We did stupid things. I realised later, why didn't I say I did that? One was um, they had a, a can of spray for cleaning records. That's what it was, record clean spray. So we were, and I liked records and I was in for cleaning. So I was cleaning records before we played a record in this place and um, put the, this is in somebody's house and we put the lid back on it. Didn't notice that there's a cloth in there. Pushed down the, the button so it sort of filled the whole thing up. So the next day, who did that? <laughs> and I'm disappearing into the back. Oh, I didn't do that. Yeah. <laughs> and I felt a bit bad about that. But I, realized, oh, I, should, have said, I should have right straight away realised I didn't. Right. And on that same trip, I must have been going through a bad phase. They, uh, I think it was the first day there, pretty quickly, fed us soup. Right. Group of kids, you're away at this um, camp, but it was all it was all being done by private people. They were so somebody had cooked up this huge bowl of soup for everyone. I didn't make think much of the soup, so I tipped it out the window. Oh, this confession, <laughs> confession one on one. This might be the, the <laughs> most meaningless crime you've ever heard of. But anyway, I tipped the soup out. Didn't think much of that. Yeah. Um, what I didn't realise at the time was that that wasn't outside the window. There was actually a patio out there. <laughs> so I tipped, <laughs> tipped this cup of awful looking soup and it looked like someone had thrown up. And and then there was the, you know, who, come on, who did that? <clears throat> That's terrible. That's disrespectful. You know, for me, sinking into the background. <clears throat> so we're not leaving this room till someone works out and you know, says who did it. And one other person knew that I did it. But, you know, they didn't snitch on you? They didn't. But wow. I didn't also own up. That's true. And and that became a big thing. All right, all right. Tell you what, whoever did that's going home. And if we don't know who did that, somebody's going home. Mm. So so did I put my hand up? No. Nope. <laughs> so you feel bad about not owning up to that sin. But did I do mischievous things? Yeah, there's a couple of things. Does he do stupid things you do as a kid? Right. Not much. Have you done any stupid things as an adult? 
<laughs> Don't we all? Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> As an adult, you probably wouldn't confess it just now. Yeah, that's true. Do you live your life with much regret? No. No? No, I think all the things we've done, I, yeah. No, there's been very few things that I've done that I've regretted. I mm. we've, we've had a, a good life. We've had a, a nice... Um, comfortable life growing up stable for the kids which is always good um i don't think any of the things i've done in the past i'd regret interesting question though uh, if you regret anything you probably regret the things you didn't do that's true yeah, yeah. so you, you, i mean yeah, i wish i would have done that yeah yeah so uh, are you have you been an introspective person much do you sit down and think oh, only if i did that that would have led down that path or i'm glad i took that opportunity because it landed me in this certain position a, a, a level of introspection yeah uh, i guess but but not beating myself up mm, no yeah right? not that sort of uh, you know lots of things go through your mind when you're having quiet times alone introspection though could mean a, a, a few different things and i suppose i am a little bit introverted, um, not the most boisterous person at a party. Playing music, playing piano was always something I enjoyed doing, but I'd, I'd play the quieter stuff in the, in the darkened room, that sort of thing, when I was a kid. Yeah. Um, still enjoy that. Right. How, so, how did your life change when you started having kids? Ah, uh, yeah. Everything changes. Um Probably because we had a good stable upbringing. I started early. How did it change? How old were you when you I had? This, there might be regret yeah. that I didn't do things. Not a regret that we started early and got got married yeah. early. But I, I look back at the the music scene that was around in the seventies when I was yeah. growing up, but of an age where I might be going out doing things, and I found out about places even when we were young and roaming the streets. I found about places and things to do kind of too late. I look right. back and think, oh, I wish I'd been able to go there. You could have. You were roaming the streets in a car with friends wondering what to do next. I, so I regret sometimes yeah. not seeing those things, not doing some of those things, but, but certainly not regretting. Uh, yeah, I, I met my wife fairly early. I was 21. 21. Uh, we got married just a couple of years later. Wow, how old were we? Twenty would have been twenty three, right? Uh, yeah, turned twenty two. Yeah, what was how old was I? And were you were you um, good with the uh, were you good with the ladies, Phil? <laughs> <laughs> I always imagined I was. <laughs> well, <laughs> no shit, everyone does. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was pretty suave. Um, so, how long have you been married then? Oh. 43 years, 42 years, 43 years. We got married in 79. So, so how, coming how, up to 44 years. How old were you when you started having kids then? Uh, didn't take long. Didn't take Doesn't take long. Well, I, I want to actually... You, you might want to explain that to Monday how that works. <laughs> well, the, the having kids bit. You know. No, no, not how did, at all. <laughs> and I, I, I also don't regret having kids quite early we, yeah. as I said we had a, a, a nice stable um, nothing flash I was working as a, a technician right and uh, didn't earn a huge wage my wife 
uh, was a was a teacher, but we fairly soon um, started a family and and led our life on from there. Yeah, it was kids back to work, a, a humble sort of right existence, but very much uh, satisfied with all of that. I want to I want to explore that a little bit. You said you got married young. Um, and you also had kids and you don't regret it. That's perfect. I want to explore that people nowadays are getting married later in their life. And having kids later. In and their also, life. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Also having kids later in their life. Do you think that's a good thing according to your personal experience? Or is that a bad thing? Or what do you think of it? I, uh, I don't think it's a, a good thing. Getting I mean, married. I'm not going to say it's a, it's a bad thing. Yeah, yeah, of course, if you want to have some career and go on, and right. they, they, they all have their advantages. Um, but you're asking what I, I feel inside. I think there's some, there's also some, some natural order of things around that. All right. Yeah, it's it's a good thing that they do, girls don't get married when they're 13 anymore. Okay. Because <laughs> yep, because that happened. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I heard a, a I forget what it was on a line years ago. It might have been in a in a movie. Whereas uh, the guy's teenage daughter, young teenage daughter, is on the phone constantly. And you said, "God, what did they do? What did young girls do before they invented the telephone? They, they got married. Married. Oh, all right. <laughs> so, yeah, things are too young. But you know, there's a phase in your life where you can you're setting yourself up with a family, and I think. Setting yourself up early is a good thing. It's kind of that's when you're better equipped to have a family. Uh, would I be better if I've got a bigger house? What if I waited till I had a career? Wait till we can get the the uh, holiday home with the pool by the beach, so that the kids can have a great upbringing. Right. Mm. No. Mm. Makes sense. So. Yeah, we had a great upbringing in a, in a fairly simple house in, in Laverton. Laverton. Uh, yeah, we were able to get down family holidays, all that that sort of fun stuff. We didn't have we didn't have to own a house because we lived on the Air Force Base. Right. They didn't own a house until my father was about to retire. Um. So the idea of putting everything into let's let's get everything established, let the career established, and let's wait until we're in our late 30s before we have children is there's ways around it when the problem is but it is more problematic so i think there's a natural course and that's why it's there well, let me ask you this Ma- being married young to your wife you guys had a lot of time to explore the uh, each other's personalities and you had a lot of time to you know um you weren't set in your own ways that's what i'm trying to say do you think it's easier to be married young to someone or starting a relationship with someone when you're young so that you have time to, you know, um, adapt or adapt to the other person versus when you're in your 30s, you're all sort of like set in your own ways and you're mm. harsh on what you want and exactly what you're looking for. When you're in your early 20s, you're still trying to figure yourself out oh, and who exactly. you are. Um, so, And doing mm, that with a, par- a permanent yeah. partner is much more stable. That's why do you think that lasted this long? Yep, that's Probably, we yeah. do go. <laughs> yeah. We do talk deep. We do yeah. ask deep questions. Yes. <laughs> Where's the fun light stuff? Yeah, we'll, we'll get to but, that. We'll get to that. 
Uh, I think we're all, uh, we've always known this, we're all going to change. Uh, you'll, you'll develop further, you'll, you'll grow. You're only 21 years old by the time you're 30, you'll have matured a bit more. If you get to 30, by the time you're 30, 40, you might have changed your opinion on something else. There's always going to be changes. Constantly um, evolving. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's an evolution. That's nice. So when you, uh, as we did, when you commit to someone early, you, you're going to go through the same sort of changes as if you committed to someone at 40. Because eventually at 40, you're going to say, okay, now we're, we're happy. We've both established careers. Let's get together at 40. Right now, I'm looking to retire and buy a boat. You what? Yeah. You know, then there still might be changes. There's evolutions. So you're going to go through changes together. So we've been through more changes together and you're going to go through them with somebody. Right. But don't you think that the that time is also a contributing factor because you've spent 20 years till you're 40. But when you're already 30, you've spent 10 or five years together. The the time you spend, the hardship you've spent together is much more fragile in this case versus that case. More fragile? More fragile. No. no. Don't you think time matters in a relationship? I'm not quite sure where, where we go with that. <laughs> okay. Really, That's really fine. not. Does time matter? Yeah, you will, yeah. you will evolve together. And in a relationship like that, you're always, um, I guess, you are changing, but you're changing together, right? And if if it's working well, you're you're working with them. You're always working with right your partner. Mm. Uh, you can't go into a relationship saying this is me or this is me in five years, and I'm going to keep down this path. Yeah. You will be constantly changing direction in that relationship because of your partner. Right. Uh, and in, in better ways. You'll you'll you may think maybe I'll wander down there. So I don't think that's a good idea. Hey, you're probably right. This is a much better idea. Um so you're you're constantly negotiating a, a little bit, but but evolving together. Yeah. Right? So I, if you've committed to someone uh when you were 22, then go through those changes together. Right. So uh, let me ask you this. What do you think was it about your missus that you thought, I'm going to marry her? Like, I'm not asking anything personal. I'm just, I just, I'm looking through a lens of a, you know, relationship perspective. Hmm. I guess some, a lot of similar values. Right. I, I can see that. I can see that we both, hmm, yeah, we, we both had similar upbringings. You, know, you, you do tend to um, stick to your own kind. That's a an that's odd, true. You gravitate expression. towards those yeah. people eventually, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, that's a nicer way of saying it. So, yeah, um, what attracts people in general to each other? Yeah, you'll be. They say you're attracted to someone who looks like your mother. <laughs> you, mm. know, you you do tend to pick people who look similar. Right. It's a Freudian it's just, thing. Yeah. And I don't know whether it's really mother, but yeah, your your whole uh your your tribe, you can see you're of the same same look. Um so that really doesn't answer it's more those values. That doesn't answer it entirely. It's more those those values. 
you think, yes, yeah, this could work. But, yeah, you, you fall in love with someone. You can't change who you do fall in love with. If, if your, your relationship with someone is, is that give and take. Right. So if you're, if you're getting something and giving something and it's going both ways, that bonds a relationship. Mm. So it's definitely a, a two-way street there. So you you have to you have to grow together in that way and, and, and be that compatible. Are we getting too deep? <laughs> no, I like I like this because um, I I feel like yeah. that's that's what we can extract from Phil because he's literally, you know, at the opposite end of life and we're at the opposite end. We can you know we can ask Phil all these questions and see what his perspective is on things. How many chapters of your life have you lived? <laughs> How many lifetimes of your of your life have you mm. had? We make him sound so old. <laughs> From the beginning, we've made Phil sound like he's like 103. Do, do we want to put it out there? You, you children, uh, I understand 23? Five. Five? Six, actually. You just turned six. Yeah. Well, not now, in December, though. Okay. Turned 33 in a couple of weeks. Yeah. So it's like, not like I'm ancient. <laughs> I'm not that far apart. I'm, I'm 66. Yeah. 66. So... So you just have about like 33 not, years on Dan, basically. It's not like at the end of my life. But we're <laughs> just ended a phase in my life. But you look like you're 80, Phil. I don't know. I'm just so sorry. <laughs> just like, I just want to like, he, you look, you have that biblical uh, aura around you. It's like, yeah, he'd no answers. <laughs> I, I, I looked at myself in the mirror this morning. I thought I looked about 45. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't yeah. know. <laughs> I'm just I tell you, my, my hair has gone a little grey. My beard, I understand, has got a few speckles of grey. Yeah, you have a, as I said, you have a biblical aura. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good thing. There you go. Here's the fun light stuff you were talking long. about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. So when I was, I used to go to um, yeah, working, there's a lot of stresses at work, makes your hair go grey, probably does to a degree, uh, depending on the stressful job. When we were away, we, we took our camper away for two months and we went across to WA and up through the red dirt country. And I felt I was actually getting a little bit of red back in my beard and red back in my hair. No. But then I showered and it came out. It was <laughs> it was just red dirt after all. Right. So let's talk about that traveling. That's that's been always your thing. Mm. Traveling. Yeah, for a long time we've <clears throat> we've enjoyed taking trips, road trips. This was the biggest road trip we've done. We we've had uh, Talk to us about this trip because people listening to us won't know. All right. That one was Total of just over 13,000K in two months. Wow. Australia's a really big place. Yeah. You know, even driving around Victoria, you think is, well, we did a long drive. Mm. No, you didn't. <laughs> um, so we went across to South Australia up to, well, we went all the way across to Perth and then up as far as Exmouth. Wow. Um, which is the very widest part. So if you're looking for the westernmost point of Australia, the westernmost pub, for example, that's at, at um, Denham, in fact, just below Exmouth. But uh, so we, we cut across the country, went down south a little bit and then made our way up up, uh, yeah, up to Exmouth to swim with the whale sharks. Whale sharks. Is that orcas? Whale uh, sharks. No, no. Whale sharks are, are sharks. Yes. Oh, but sorry. And they're, they're only yes. plankton eaters, so they're a bit wide-mouthed. They're not, not the bitey type. But they are sharks. You see the side view of them, it, it looks like a shark. It's yep. just that it's six metres long. 
How was it? How was the experience swimming that, with the sharks? That's uh, fantastic. It really, you, you can't help but come out almost giggling. You jump in the water and you're swimming along, and there's this six meter long shark comes floating up beside you or under you. Ah. Have you seen those pictures of this uh, lady who's a, I think it was a shark expert or whatever. She sort of misdirects tiger sharks. Anytime they'd come around, play with her, mm. she'd hold her nose and just directs them to a different direction. I was like, I don't know how people can do that. Yeah, no, no. no. Th- those ones are a bit bitey, the tiger sharks. Yeah. So I'm not <laughs> oh, they're the most bitey ones. <laughs> <laughs> the white pointers. Yeah. Uh, no, not going to go in the water. You do have a little fear. You're looking around because when you're out... Uh, the water is only about forty meters deep or so, right? But that's quite deep. You you don't see the bottom. Mm-hmm. And as you're looking down, you realize there's a whale shark is floating away from you downwards, and then it disappears. And then it comes the, up in the dark. You're looking around, and think, where is something else? Right. Mm-hmm. We, we used to do a lot of um, snorkeling back when my wife and I first first got together. We'd just around the Victorian coast for the most part. And there were plenty of times when you're floating on the shallows and it's fine. You can dive down and see, see the rocks and see the corals, things, stingrays and that sort of Then sometimes you, you just wander a little bit too far from the coast and you look around and you think, wait a minute, I can only see 20 metres in any direction and then it fades into nothing. darkness. And that's when you think something might be coming. I'm just heading back towards <laughs> the shore for a while. But, yeah, but, but this trip, uh, it, it was terrific. There's just... Huge distances cutting across the country. They always talk about going across the Nullarbor being it's, it's a long way in between stops. And it is. If if you look at a map, they say the Nullarbor runs from a place called Seduna right. across to Norseman, sort of the, the furthest west point, and then you turn left or right. That's the same distance as Melbourne to Port Macquarie, up the other side of Newcastle. If you imagine driving from here to Port Macquarie and there only being four petrol stations in between you and Port Macquarie and that's it, a five. Uh, there's nothing in between them, so you're going to drive for 300 kilometres without seeing anything. Straight. Or without seeing any uh, sign of civilization. Yeah, And often it's straight. Yeah, the longest straight is what, 100, about 150 kilometres without a bend. You can... Can hide, find a high point you can see way out at a distance, and the road just keeps disappearing. Wow. But that's not the only point that happens. Even in South Australia, before you get to that, you realise we left a place an hour ago. When's coffee? I look at the map. So well, we've got another hour before we get to the next place. Oh, jeez! And uh, and sometimes we turned into that place, like a place with a very enticing name called Iron Knob. <laughs> Iron Knob. I'd heard about because we'd actually supplied mm. some equipment to them some years ago. I saw Iron Knob coming. Oh, well, there's a big sign saying Iron Knob, 50 kilometres away, right, there's our coffee spot. And we got to Iron Knob and it's not a coffee spot anymore. There's nothing there. Turned into the little deserted town and there was just nothing. So we just had a little cruise around, came back out onto the highway and kept going another hour to the next potential coffee spot. Wow. And it was a Sunday, so that was closed. But there of was course. A, someone had set up a caravan and a little little market, so we we did get a coffee. Coffee was how we drove. You drive check coffee, drive coffee to, checkpoints. Coffee checkpoints. <laughs> yeah. Um, in Australia, they'll often say uh, a trip from here to there. How far is it? Oh, it's about two cans. Yep. Yeah. I don't know if you've been there. 
But this is a two-can trip. It'll take you two cans to mm-hmm. get there. We'd measure it in coffees. Two coffee cups. <laughs> two coffee cups. So, so yeah, we... So there's, the Nullarbor is renowned for being this long straight, but there's nothing between. But when you go up above Perth, it's pretty much the same. You're driving for a couple hundred kilometres f- to the next thing. Um, that's fascinating. We, we did do a lot of diversions. But, um, yeah, we, we reached our... We saw all the uh, the main things we wanted to tick off. We climbed gorges. We Our car is not built for travelling off-road, but... We've got a couple of times we had to go a bit off-road to get somewhere. We rattled it apart. But it was uh, a, a great trip. Lots wow. of photos. Wow. Nothing posted. Why not? Oh, well, when we went away, we had decided that we were going to be away for a couple of months. Right. Let's not put a sign up that says, hey, we're not <laughs> home for a couple of months. We're driving to Westmouth and WA. Oh, uh-huh. There's a house that's empty for a couple of months. So we decided not to post that. And I've thought of it, I just haven't done it yet. I was going to do a retrospective of that trip. So start putting things up on Instagram every uh, every week, just have another couple of photos pop up. We got sort of retracing the steps or every few days put a couple of pictures up just to get the essence of it. Um, a lot of lot of nice photographs. I know you've got an interest in photographs. Um, my wife took some really good ones just, right. just with her, um, Phone. her iPhone. Yeah. yeah. The phones nowadays, they're pretty good. I used to scoff at them and I still took a camera with me. But uh, yeah, the, uh, the, uh, the iPhone and the Galaxy, they, they take some pretty good pictures. It's A lot of it's just about composition, light. You know this one. That's so it. Spend a bit of time getting it right mm. and the photos look a whole lot better. They do. They do <laughs> indeed. So that was our, our round trip. We, we went across and we came back down through the south again, with a little bit more time on the coast down south WA. And cut back, so it was an endless summer for a while. It did get cold a couple of mornings, but pretty much it was just pleasant weather and we came back to Melbourne's winter. Yes. Our last couple of nights were in Hall's Gap in the Grampians. Um, we knew the weather was closing in on us. So the last day we were coming in, we were going to be meeting this cold weather mm. well Hall's Gap was got warnings that we needed mm. to evacuate because of mm. the, the potential floods uh, and it did rain for the two days we were there so we, we we spent two days sitting in the van for the most part rearranging our photographs uh, you strike me as someone who can't sit still for long you need to get out there the van space is about one quarter of this room yeah so, yeah, and with a big thing down each side, you, you don't have much space around you. So, yeah, then you'll dive into the internet for a while. You've got a good connection. you got nothing to do. But I'm always pottering. Yeah, you can't sit yeah. down. Yeah. That, that's one thing about travelling, whether you go to caravan or, a, in our case, a camper van. Every time you get somewhere, I've always got a little something I wanted to check out, a rattle I'd heard or a connection I wanted to fix up and you get outside there's all the blokes are walking around their caravans getting underneath puttying something up or doing some little job around the van it's kind of what we do what's the most fascinating place you visit in Australia fascinating Fraser Island 
early days was was one. It's not. It's only a couple of hours north of Brisbane. It's not hard to get to. Fraser Island is a big sand island, and no no bitumen, no real made roads anywhere on it. For the most part of it, it's a highway up and down the coast, on on the water on the beach. Right. So you do have to have a four wheel drive, and you do have to plan your your trip. And going inland, it's you're able to drive a, a four wheel drive around through this rainforest on a sand island, crystal clear water was the thing that I remember there. There's those little streams running through the place and it, it's a sand island. When they explain these streams, you look at the water is so clear that you think it's not there. You're looking at something, you think you're looking at a sandy base but the water's like you know, 300 mil deep or something but you can't see the water until you're sort of looking at them. Why does it look, huh, it, the water is that clear. And there's a number of really nice lakes on there. But the difference with that is it's not rainwater. It's water that's coming up from the ground into these creeks. Mm. And it's, so it's Salt. not rainwater coming down because when it does, it just goes straight into the sand. Right. But this, this is actually the groundwater uh, because of the got this big sand island in the middle, the force of the ocean each side. The groundwater, which always sits somewhere below your surface, is actually pushed up because of the weight of the water, the ocean each side. And uh, so that's what these lakes are. These lakes are actually little holes into the groundwater rather that's than just, just normal rainwater going into it. So it's salty? The office is salty? No, it's clear. It's filtered. Oh, wow. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, we got scientific enough there for a little bit. Yeah, like, <laughs> why is it not salty? It's beautifully clear. It might be a little brackish, but it, it's come up. It's groundwater. Is not you said salty. back in the day. Is it the same now? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Fraser that, Island. Fraser. Fraser Island. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a fascinating place. But we have travelled lots of interesting, natural, naturally interesting places. Uh, the boulders around the coast south of WA. That's some wild um, southern ocean stuff coming up onto the coast. Tasmania. Oh, Tasmania is beautiful. Yeah. It's, Tasmania is one of those places where we would, uh, I mean, we followed a, a road around, we knew where we were going, but that was always a spot where I'd be looking a couple of days ahead. While we're here, we should go down that little road and I'll get us, get us. That's the thing about four wheel drives. The, the good thing about a four wheel drive is it can take you further into the mud before it gets stuck. Yeah. Yeah. With, a, with my van, I know I'm not going there. I'm going to stay on the bitumen. Of course. With a four-wheel drive, I'll go in there until I get stuck. And now I'm stuck. For a, yeah, for, for real. For real. So we, we got, we've been stuck on sand before that a normal car I wouldn't have taken into the sand. Mm. A clever person might have kept away from that part of the sand, but no, I drove in there till we got stuck. Well, are people nice enough to help you? When when people get other people get stuck, yeah. But we went to a place in South Australia. My, my daughter went there recently, and I remind her of this spot. And I said, "It's great." And we drove. That's where we drove on the beach. Remember that? So they drove down to this odd little community um, down a little bit east of Robe, and drove across onto the beach. Mm. Got stuck. 
and my wife, my, my daughter describes this as being like an F1 pit crew. They got stuck and before they'd actually stopped, they could see people coming and there's blokes coming with boards to shove under it, someone else has got a shovel and someone else has got something else. And all these people got in and instantly dug them out and they, they wow. got out of there. And that's... That's, that's beautiful. That's, that's the fun bit. Yeah. Should we keep going? No, we should get off the beach. But I did it in that order. But when we drove there, I was driving a, um, a Mazda Tribute, all-wheel drive car, and we'd taken it on beaches. I'd, I'd been experimenting, seeing how deep I could go before I got stuck, let the tyres down. Went up a really rough track to get onto the beach, came onto the beach, and suddenly I saw that the beach is on a really steep angle and I'd read that where it's flat, like Fraser Island, you could drive on it 80 kilometres an hour. It's like driving on concrete, beautifully smooth. But when it's steep, it's always soft and it's going to be churning. Got onto this beach, I thought, uh-oh, soft, churning. Around the first bend, more steep, more soft, more churning. There's a car, a big four-wheel drive, pulling a boat out of the water. If I'm going to get out of here, I'm going to do it now. So I quickly pulled a U-turn, turned around, and stopped hmm. like it, it got good proper stuck in the sand this bloke got into his four-wheel drive and said i wouldn't have brought that on the beach and drove off no. <laughs> so they don't all have the experience he left us there we, we took the tires down to much lower than i would have thought you could and just very gently back forth back forth back a little bit further forward until you got a little bit of a track and then pull out and get Get out of there. You don't want to churn the wheels in the sand. Because so you just keep digging yourself just a dig hole. a hole. So mm. we, we got out of there and uh, yeah, we didn't go back on the beach for a while. Are you someone who deals with stress well? Mm. What? what? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. What? Yeah. Do you, do you deal with stress well? No. I don't no? think so. No, I, I get... Um, before the event, I usually get nervous about something. Uh, yeah. We've got, when I have work deadlines coming up, uh, major meetings, major presentations we've had to do, um, I, I deal with it and I'm probably okay. I'm much better in an event than before it. I, we play, um, well, on the work thing, we had that, uh, we went to the SAP, SAP system. And that involved a number of meetings with you know, overseas people watching in and you had to get in and show your stuff. Ah, oh, the day before that, I'm not well. That morning, don't talk to me, particularly if then the traffic gets busy and I'm stuck in traffic, I'm not sure I'm going to make it in time. When I get talking, probably a little bit better. And after the event, yeah, well, that was nowhere near as bad as I thought it was going to be. What was I stressing about? Do I deal with stress well? Uh, not particularly. Yeah. I, I play a bit of music and I've done many. I used to, we used to play at church right. and I've done a lot of weddings and that sort of thing. And if I see a friend setting up for a wedding or a church, I'll go and talk to them afterwards because I know what they're feeling like right now. Don't talk to me. Mm. I don't know appear really rude. Yep. But I, I had to play for a funeral of a, an auntie mm. recent, uh, it's a couple of years ago now, four I think. And I got there, and one of her, her granddaughter was coming up to say hello, and 
I recognise her at the last minute. And she was very friendly. And I just pretty much ignored her. I said, hi. Kept walking. I just couldn't couldn't focus on anything else. You know, I'm not that good before an event. Put my hands on the keyboard, a bit better. Get to the end of it. Right. But, you know, I get through it. But most stresses, yeah, I, I get a bit stressed before an event. How about conflict? Uh, yeah, avoided. Mm. Yeah, probably I avoid conflict more than others. Well, do we have something coming up? <laughs> there's a, didn't there's know that. A, there's a saying, is it all expression that says conflict delayed is conflict multiplied? Yeah, okay. There is. <laughs> Do you, do you agree, disagree? Mm. Yeah, I guess if you're, if you're just delaying it, you're not finding a way around it, yeah? Mm-hmm. No, then you're almost procrastinating. We spoke about that before. Uh, procrastinating enough to get around the conflict and go and pretend it didn't happen and bypass it. Right. Uh, is... The conflict is not resolved. Then it leads into resentment. Mm. Are, are you comfortable with routine? I'm wondering where Harmon was going with that. <laughs> I think he's got something to tell us there. Yeah, go he? on. No. No? No, actually I don't know. I was just working off on something, but yeah, here you go. Go on, yeah. Do you get comfortable with routine? I only ask because you had the – you're in the same workplace for how, how many years? Uh. I worked for the same company at 47, 47 years. 47 years, three months. Now, why why that long? <clears throat> In my defence, <laughs> <laughs> I remember I started as a, a technician, so I was 10 years yeah. as a technician. But even when they're there, of course, you're going through phases. I'm the new technician. All I'm doing is sweeping floors, painting the workbenches, making the coffee and tea. Yeah. Uh, Younger, new technology comes along. I'm getting more familiar with that than the old blokes who are now less familiar with that sort of technology. So well, I could take that on. Ten years later, I'm sort of a, a senior technician. Yeah. So then I was able to change roles. I, I became manager, service manager. I changed roles later when I joined the sale, sales department. Uh, a few years then I was able to, still in that technical bent because we're selling a technical product, I was able to go into the product management and product specialist. And so it was a constant ev- evolution of... There's always something coming up. Yeah. So that's And that's the way I was able to survive that in the... Like in a lot of the things we do, there's always something to be done. To be done, yeah. There's un- unfinished job, unfinished work in whatever you're doing, but there's also something else yeah. to move on to. Is that, that, was that important to you? Yeah, I think it's important to always have something to, to move on and strive to. I, I think it's that fear for me if I stay in the same role, not not in the same company but in the same role, mm-hmm. do I become stagnant if I become too comfortable with routine? If you sit in your shit for yeah. too long, yeah. it stops smelling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, right? So yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that's true. Well, yeah. I stayed in the one industry for a long time. Oh, yes. yeah, yeah. Because... Yeah. I don't mean to you, actually. No, I just no. said it. I just, just said it. <laughs> the industry may have a... Yeah. That doesn't smell. Yeah. But I was able to look and, and one thing about staying in that industry, in sorry, in an industry yeah. for that long is that you're right. Yeah. 
you do become more, this is all I know. Yeah. And if I looked at changing, that I'd be terrified. That's what I fear if I become comfortable with something for too long, do I, is it, would it be harder to to move on? Mm. So I was lucky that I was able to change roles and and very much change what I did for a living and how I did things with people. But if I looked for another job, I looked a couple of, only a few times through my life, I looked at the other people in that same industry and went, nah, I don't think I could work with them. Well, what if you got out of that industry? That's more scary. Yeah. So that might be why I stayed for for so long in one company. Was it just that that fear? Um, yeah, I don't think it was a fear so much, but you're comfortable staying in an area yeah. and yeah, you resist. There's a resistance to, to moving on to something totally different. Uh, could I have gone and retrained and become something entirely different? different? I've, I've been struggling with that. Here's, here's, here's a thought exercise. Let's say you die tomorrow, right? Which is more likely for me being I'm, I'm ancient. <laughs> yes. I've, I've reached that net. I remember, I remember you taking a picture while you were building the pyramids. <laughs> took a selfie there. With the stones. Oh. <laughs> Go on. Um, imagine you die tomorrow and you're sit, sitting in front of the God and he gives you a sheet of what you've done and you, what you've achieved in your life. And here's a list of what you things you've done. And here's a paper. And this is all of the things that you could have been. Could have been, right? So when you when you read that new piece of paper, the new sheet that you that the things that you could have been, would you would you be happy to look at that? Would you be sad? Would you regret not being all those things? Uh, hard to be all of them, though. So I, I there are things I, I would have done. So looking at that list, I think yeah, I, I could have been that I could have done that thing but would that have changed my family you know, what I've ended up with right I'd, I'd hope not mm. I'd hope that I was able to do that thing I, I could be that do that thing for a living but um, there are very few people I think who get to as they say you, know, you can do the thing you love you never have to work a day in your life because you're doing the thing you love um, that would probably change occasionally, but most of us have to work for a living. And even if I was a, an architect, which was a dream that I was going to be one day when I was back in school or, or something along those lines, something in design, um, it wouldn't have changed significantly because I, I the family is what we've done and, and the things you do outside of work. No. To be honest, I was always going to be a rock star. I think I might still be one day. Basically, your profession but, would have changed, yeah. and you still would have been the same person. I'd hope so. I think so. Yeah. Right. And and That's... and the important things would be the same. Right. The most yeah. important things. Uh, you don't want a whole lot of stories, but if you, there was a story of a a, a wealthy American went down to a little, little uh, South American village. Okay, I made that bit, and is it looking at the fishermen, and all these. The fisherman is sitting there on the edge of the shore and the guy's in his little little hut and he's playing with his grandkids and his boat is just sitting there bobbing in the water and there's all the boats are sitting there bobbing in the water and this rich guy comes along and says, what, what are you doing? Sitting there playing with my grandchildren. That's great. Well, but the boats are just bobbing, they're doing nothing. 
Right. Well, what else would I do? Well, if you spent a full day, you'd earn twice as much. You know, you'd be able to buy that next boat. You'd be able to buy both the boats. Yeah. Well, what do I do then? Well, now you've got enough money to get four boats. You you would own the fleet. Oh, really? Yeah. And if you work hard, you'll be develop a, a canning industry, and you'll be the boss of this whole canning business. And you'll you'll make squillions. What then? You'd be able to retire really rich. And what would I do then? Well, then you could sit and play with your grandkids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hmm? Do you, do you think you'll ever get to the point now where you would want to work again? Like further on down the line, say you've done all the traveling you can do and all the exploration you can do. Would you ever want to work or semi-work again? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Certainly, there's there's some things I don't want to just be gardening but I'm certainly I don't intend going back to doing more than a couple of days a week week ever and what would that be if I'm in a good position maybe that couple of days of work maybe a bit cliche but you know I'd be happy to you know do some charity work you know, dri- driving driving a bus for some yeah some charity something I don't have to work at uh, I would do some consulting. That's already come up a couple of times. There's a couple of people have said, are you interested in something? Uh, give me a break. I just stopped. <laughs> would you be a producer? Well, we're hiring. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it would be fun to work with you, Phil. I want to work for a charity. We're much, a charity? <laughs> well, how much are you paying, though? Well, let's see. How much does this charity pay? You know, I've... I've I'll tell you the truth. I fear retirement. I mean, a lot of people look forward to retirement because it's the possibility oh, you can just travel and do whatever the hell you want. It's a constant Saturday, right? But I fear if I break out of that, well, does that get monotonous, the constant Saturday, or will I need something to do, something substantial to do? You've probably always got something you yeah. want to achieve. Yeah. Am I benefiting someone if I'm just retired like yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, i would enjoy retirement for for a time but i would feel like i would need something i've certainly heard heard a lot of people say that you know, some friends of mine have retired from signet you know, senior management roles engineering roles sometimes and uh, and then the next thing you know they're they're back at work working for somebody else just doing a little bit of this on the side and a couple of weeks oh he wants me to come back full time yeah so they're back into it full time I don't know maybe they didn't have enough to achieve without going back to work I think I could go for a fair while though on a Saturday I'm quite liking my Saturday yeah. at the moment you would want to work until you're not no longer able to work and I don't mean work for money you just mm. want to be doing yeah. something yeah. worthwhile yeah that that's what I mean a, you yeah. have a reason to get yeah. off the bed next day If you don't, then your life is as bad as breaking out. Breaking out of that nine to five is my dream, mm-hmm. but you, I need something to benefit other people. That's why I'm not quick to retire. Mm-hmm. But maybe I'll think think differently when I get to Phil's age. When it becomes Saturday, yeah, Ooh. one big Saturday, one big Saturday. Yeah, but there's things I'd like to do. But I've still got a lot of things I'm yeah. trying to achieve myself around the house. This has been a terrific. In fact, the weather's been quite nice the last few months. Uh, good time to work and there are plenty of things I need to do. Mm. Yeah. What are you? So the book's, the, not o- the book's not over yet. What are you good at, Phil? 
keeping my head down, just <laughs> sinking into the background. Yeah, dis- disappearing into the background. <laughs> just being, oh, what am I good at? Oh, yeah, I've got a, a technically a, a problem solving sort of time. I can usually, I, I enjoy having to work something out. That's what we did in our business. We, uh, we solved technical solutions to people. We, we worked out how we could do it. So I enjoyed helping people and, and coming up, yeah. Yeah, working out how this is going to work. So these little problem-solving things, whatever they are, uh, just and at the moment they're generally just around the house. All right, I've got something. Good. Give me a little something to, uh, to problem-solve here. Um, so th- those things, those little projects are still coming up. There's plenty of those jobs to be done. Uh, so the problem solving would be one of them. At the moment, I say is they, they're gardening and <laughs> and and how to keep the possums out of your broccoli. Uh, possums love broccoli. Yeah, it's a it just classic a sa- classic who, saying. Who knew? <laughs> classic <laughs> saying. <laughs> Let me ask Who you. Who knew the possums really <laughs> like broccoli so much they would get through any cage you build around it and <laughs> eat your possum, eat your broccoli through the cage? I had a deep question. It's not a euphemism that they actually. <laughs> yeah. Actually, do love yeah, broccoli? Yeah. Can't no. ask you a deep question. No. What? Go on. What is or what has been the biggest failure in your life? I know that's a very sad question, but do you think like that? No. No? Uh, no, I've had few. Maybe I aim too low. How about the biggest hurdle? What's the biggest hurdle you've had to face in your life? Uh, oh, we've had a, not not many, of course. There's been personal trials along the way. Um, but hurdles, honestly, maybe I set my sights. Too low, my, my my standards too low. We we've had very few in the way of failures. We've we've raised two great kids. We've gone on to have good partners, good lives, good families, which is mm, you know, one of the more important things things yeah. around our life. Uh, we did do yeah, good work with our, our community for a long time. I I'd be uh, playing music in the church on a Sunday. Saturday. Um, you were looking for failures. I, I don't think there's anything we've really failed at. Not the greatest at lots of things. Some of my work around the place hasn't been fabulous. But, um, there was a, a line I used in my retirement speech and it's, it comes from... My, my philosophies in life, a lot of it comes from the 1970s music, the, the folk and the singer-songwriters. One guy called Jesse Winchester. Uh, what do you say? Goodness knows you might have done better, but then heaven knows you might have done worse. If you've lit up the occasional candle, you're allowed the occasional curse. Hmm. That's deep. Are you, are you a re- religious person, Phil? Yes. Yeah, What's I, I've had a, a Catholic upbringing mm-hmm. and it, it may be sort of standard middle-of-the-road Catholic upbringing. Uh, 
So, yeah, I've always been involved in the church. And while we, the pandemic changed the way we do that, we, didn't, we don't go to the church that often now. We didn't go to the church for two years because um, it was shut. So we, we saw some online services. Religious and the church are two different things because, of course, when you talk about failures, the church, the Catholic Church has had its failures. The biggest problem is that the Catholic Church is staffed and run by people. People tend to have their failures. Right. And it doesn't matter, Catholic, um, whatever religion, whatever denomination, whatever part of the Christian tradition or non um, when it's run by people, they're um, yeah, they're the ones making the rules, and they're the ones breaking the rules more often than not. So, but we're still uh, spiritual beings, I think. Yeah. What's your relationship with God like? Yep. You weren't <laughs> expecting these questions from me. <laughs> I wanted to talk about my upbringing. <laughs> the relationship with God. I think we get on fine. The uh, It's in those quiet moments of reflection uh, and sometimes a music playing. That's why I actually enjoyed playing music for the church because it it, it gives you a chance to... to um, connect. Yeah, connect and quietly and you know you're doing something. The music gets you. Right. That, that's why we have music in churches and almost, not, not all, but you know, most most um, religious um, paths have, have music in them, most do. And it does give you a more spiritual feeling and, and I enjoyed that part of it. So I, I could going through what other people have written, going through their songs and learning them and then selecting them and then performing them. Um, it's always been a, a good way to relate to that spiritual side of yourself. It's funny, in this whole podcast, my takeaway from this would be what you just said there, and you glazed over it very quickly, that all religions do have an aspect of music in them. I never noticed that before. It's so obvious, yet you just don't notice it, right? Oh, I can't. You can. Can you think of any religion that doesn't well, have music? It, well, it, yes. Islam is not very big on music. No, pray music. There's there's elements of praying that are that are prayed in. Um, like a chant. A chant in a note, mm -hmm. uh, almost a note. And there are songs referring to um, the prophet. There are so many songs that refer the prophet and refer to the religion. So I would sort of kind of low-key disagree, given that I've, I've uh, grown up in a um, multicultural and secular um, country. I've seen some um, and heard and grew up with, so I, I think I would disagree politely to that. Mm -hmm. that it, they are there are um, songs and uh, they're not big, but they're definitely definitely. Um, it's there. It's there. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. So 
So yeah, so religion and music really, really music go together and have for as long as we've had religion yes. and music. Because in in Islam, the singers are are sort of um, you know praising the prophet or praying to the prophet or asking the prophet for answers. Most of the times, they're doing that. To me, that's pray, that's religion, and that's Islam as yes. well. So is that the the I forget the name of it, but the cat who calls everyone to prayer? No, 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 no. So e- even even like um, there's a very prolific uh, composer called A. I. Rahman. He's written some songs. They're called Sufi songs, which is, oh, yeah, yeah. yep, if, if you must have heard of them. Mm. So they, they are uh, in that genre of what we're just talking about. Mm. So, yeah, I don't I've, think um, Buddhists have, I have music. No. Again, very limited knowledge. Wait till the Buddhist comes in. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, we actually do, <laughs> sir. <laughs> we got the bells, we got yeah. gongs. Yeah. <laughs> and again, there's chanting in there. Yeah, yeah we say that's... It's not the same sort of song well, like the Catholic or... The gist of me bringing that point up was that it's it, it's that could be a bridge of connecting humans to the divine. Mm. Yes, it, it certainly brings out that spiritual part of yourself. I it think, does. I think we all have a spiritual part. <clears throat> and, if, and if we totally ignore that, then we are... Just buffoons. Uh, Okay. Are you, wait, wait, wait. Uh, yeah, go on. Yeah. Go on. No, that's fine. You yeah. said you were an introvert. Is that uh, early, earlier yeah. in your life you were an introvert? Yeah. Is that, does that, is that still true today? Um, yes. I, I, every now and then I, I, I mean, I'm not a, not a, yeah, uh, disabled by being an introvert. I, I just think I'm not as outgoing as some. Yeah, and I like the the quieter moments. I'm when I when I play music, I'm happy to, to play on my own. And if I get brave and and play with others, as we did for many years, we played in. Uh, uh, I could say we played in a group, but most of those were at church or related to with those friends. We would play the occasional fake that sort of thing. Um, and now, if I can get together with someone else, that's always a, a high point if I can play with someone else, even recorded ways. And so that when you stand up and you actually do something, I feel we probably all feel the same sort of way, but for me that's a bit of a step to come out of that introvert nature to play. I really want to do that. And at the end of a night, if I didn't do something, I'd, I'd get bored. I wish I'd stood up and done something there because I could have. Mm. I could have joined in that. And when occasionally I do, you come away. This, yeah, it was really a bridge I had to break over. While we were away uh, on our trip, we were up in um, in Denham, so up near a place called Monkey Myers, the name that's better known up there. I, I'd taken my uh, little little bass guitar, uh, a, a U bass, so. Bigger than a ukulele, smaller than a guitar, but plugged in makes quite a sound. And I had this little fantasy in the back of my mind, I'm going to take this with me, but while we're out there, hmm, yeah. what if I met up with someone who could play? That'd be cool. What if we actually played somewhere? Oh, wouldn't be that brave. So we're in Denham and I heard a couple of guys playing guitar behind their vans. I was like, hmm, actually sound like they can play. I thought, well, wouldn't it be good if I was brave enough to go and talk to them? 
And I saw one of them coming up. And I went, oh, good day. Just had a picture. Oh, sorry, was our sound annoying you? So, no, 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 it was, was nice. I actually thought, one of you need a bass guitarist. And they went, yeah, why, have you got a bass? As a matter of fact, I do. Come on down, we'll be playing at 7 o'clock tonight down here. So it was one of those times where you, you do step up, you step away mm. from that little bit reserved and that sort of thing, but I've taken that step now and this was really uh, had a good night. It was just about an hour. I never worked out who they were. Knew all their first names, but I looked at this. They've got three camper vans, all hired, on a bit of a road trip. The... Uh, Two of the guys played guitar and sang well. The, the women that were with them all sang. I said, Who we got here? I don't know. It was only when we were finishing, I was walking away and I talked to one chap. I said, you don't sing? He said, no, I'm, I'm the lyricist. I, I write songs. And I had to look back and say, who, who the hell were they? And I never found out. Well, but they were good. So good. I, I was able to join along, play along the bass and keep up with them and he taught me a few things. And When you... We're in the same company for 47 years. You would have met a lot of people and maintained relationships with people for many years. Do you ever miss the social element of work? Or was there a social element for you when it came to work? There was a limited outside social, but there were a few that were, and we still, we will say these are, these are still good friends. Yeah. So we would have a, a few times we had people around to our house. Um, several times we actually had our, uh, an official work gathering at our place or then when I was service manager. Um, and a couple of times afterwards we would have a, a few around. So it's not regular contact. Now some of our friends have kept together. Uh, you would know some of them, but they uh, they do still see each other after work and still maintain social. So... It's nice to keep in touch with them. There's a few that I'm going to catch up with and, and have caught up a little bit with some. You will miss that aspect because these are not just people you work with. Yeah. yeah. And I suppose a lot of people over the years have been. Yeah. These are work friends. These are church friends. Um, and they're friends. Right. So, yeah. so a lot of the people that we've met who've moved on, you know, I wouldn't have... Um, yeah, good to know you. Just amazing they moved on. I've forgotten their names already. But others that I've worked with for even not that long, but usually long term, I hope to uh, to keep in touch with them. And a couple of them even make some music with them because we can do these things. As you've seen my Stairway to Heaven rendition. Yeah. Um, so there's a few things like that on the go. I've done a few other recordings that we haven't put out yet, but. Um, so I hope to still keep in contact, but we've got a lot of friends that we've had you know, at home for, yeah, that's you. Oh, thank God. <laughs> I don't do anything. <laughs> Edit out the noise maker. Yeah. So there have been lots of, yeah, we've got lots of good friends through our own um, connections, but there'll be, there'll be uh, some work connections. I'll miss that social aspect of it, I suppose. Well, was it sad? I'll try and keep. Was it sad? No, I'm not sad about it. You're not sad. I'm, I'm, I don't intend losing them. I still know them. <laughs> uh, I You're got here. Some, some really yeah. good friends. Yeah, you got to work. Huh. Um, 
they got some really good friends. I, I think men are more like this than, than women in some ways. We may not speak for a couple of years, um, but we are still in, in contact. So it's not that sad to, yeah. to not see them. I, I, I hope I'll keep some contact and it'll be a little disappointing if we uh, lose contact in the future. Yeah. But it, but uh, no, I'm not sad about it yet. I'm having too much fun on my Saturdays. By yourself, yeah. What's your life philosophy? Just a quick, you, small question. To... <laughs> you, yeah. You had a you had a guest on a few weeks ago, or at least a few weeks ago from the foundation there, JBN. Oh yes, yeah. Just be nice. Um, yeah, there's people. There are all sorts of people out there have their own opinions, have their own agendas. Quite often, um, but we would all get along just a little bit better, I think, if if people just be nicer. Nice it. Be nicer to each other. Be a bit kinder to, to people yeah. around you. Don't, don't be bagging people. I very rarely bag people. Very rarely. If I go back and I talk about how mean Harmon was with his questions, um, I won't say it to anyone. <laughs> but no, I, I, I think that they'd just be nice and get on. You don't need to argue with anyone. If, if there are people whose opinions you... Uh, Strongly disagree with. If you, I'm not going to get into a fight about. I go, mm, yeah, your opinion. I'm just be over here with people, perhaps of a closer, you know, opinions of my my own. Uh, so the JBN, just be nice. The, and and it's not all about work, and yeah. you know, philosophies. There's a whole lot of things we actually touched on when you sent me an. an Message and you said, "Oh, we'll ask some deep philosophical, <laughs> philosophical questions." I went, "Oh, good." <laughs> I've heard some of your philosophical questions. I've heard some of your. By the way, I haven't noticed any warnings come out at the start of this podcast. Like there should be language warnings sometimes. <laughs> there should be alcohol warnings. references. Not just references. I think in one you 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 you. You have plastered by the end of the, the conference. The, uh, I had no idea what was going on in that 13th episode. I had no idea. By the end of it, no. Vague recollections of... And then did you go on out to dinner after that one? Yeah. I don't I was. I was in bed the next thing I know. I don't know how I got He got his tickets for Jimmy Carr. I remember that, Dan. I was yeah. just trying to sound cool. Well, Come on. <laughs> and and the, the drug references. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's... Yeah, I'll have his... I was checking around the plants, around the the room here, making sure there's no mushrooms. <laughs> well, I, how did we get back? You don't have that? to check. You've got to just ask me. <laughs> okay. Uh, How do you know there's nothing in your water? Already? <laughs> yeah. You wouldn't. You wouldn't know, Phil. Mm. I'm very sneaky at that. I would have laced your water with LSD. You would have no idea. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> you, um, yeah, the drug references were interesting. I, I, I thought of one of them. You, you were talking uh, about the uh, psychedelics yeah. and how it changes your whole way you see the perspective. Layers. It is just a perspective because what it sounded like is you know, 
the uh, the world we see around us is not really the world we see around us, you know. Um, everything is a lot more fluid than you think if we're just imagining that this is, this is the way it is. I, I want to say in our first week on after I'd retired, uh, playing with a dog in the backyard and I, I kicked the ball to him and I kicked a brick pretty solidly. Now I reckon that that brick was bloody hard and that hurt. Like that was not a, that was just not more, that wasn't my perception of this brick being hard. Mm -hmm. I think if I'd been taking mind altering drugs that said that this brick was a floating in the air fluid thing, it still would have hurt. That brick was hard. Right. So you're changing your perceptions by what you do. Right. But you're not changing the reality by what you do. Sure. That brick is still hard. But if you're just, your brain is seeing things differently because it suddenly got messed up. Well, we're, we're not going <laughs> to. We're, we're if not, you would have started this podcast with that, I would have just taken you guys in a different direction. <laughs> what do you think happens when we die? Dan, <laughs> stop bringing the room down. I'm just kidding. You're asking me because I'm the closest. So you reckon I'd be yeah, thinking about it more you're, than others. You know. <laughs> do, you, do you though? Do you think about morality? Yeah, do you? Morality, of course. Or mortality. Um, <laughs> fuck's sakes. Mortality. It's really hard. It's really hard in here. Hot in here. It's getting a bit warm in here. Because also, yeah, it's because we have Phil on. Do we think of my mortality? <laughs> yeah, do you think of your mortality? Yeah, I, not a lot. Um, but as we see more and more old pop star and movie stars disappearing over the edge um, mm. recently. Uh, another one last night whose name I can't remember played oh, most, yeah. most yeah. famous in the Harry Potter series. Michael Gambon. Gambon, yeah. thank you. Surprised, and I thought, if he's 82 and everyone's going, well, that's a fair innings. Hang on. That's not that many years from where I am now, mm. 65. Um, do I think of my mortality? Yeah. Don't let it play in my mind. Mm. Um, occasionally, I think, well, in 20 years' time, I'll be 86. 20 years ago, I was, that's that, that long ago. So things come rushing towards you. So you don't think about your mortality. You just think about your life now and, and doing what you can now. I think in a couple of years' time, I will be the same age as my parents when they had me, which is weird. It's a scary Again, thing to think about. Kids. It's a scary thing to think about. I had my kids when I was 24 yeah. and 25. Wow. And they're now 40 and yeah. 42. Just about. Scary though. Hey, it can be a little. Um, but I think that's that's a good scary. But I also think the first day of retirement would be scary as well because it's the break from that nine to five that you you have known for, well, 47 I'd years. Running, I'd be running naked in my house if I had retired. Is that what you did on your first day uh, <laughs> of retirement? <laughs> <laughs> no. I do have, and obviously we thought about this a little bit, and I thought, well, because you, you said from a perspective of a retired person, what's it like to be freshly retired? And I do have some advice on retiring. Yes, please. Yes. There's some stuff you've got to get in order before you retire. If you ever happen to be given a day and a half's notice then the things you should have had in place already. Yeah. 47 years. I, my time with the company goes back before there were mobile phones. So, oof. Before Rotary they were, phones? They go back before there were computers. Right? You had to send pigeons, didn't you? 
<laughs> we 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 type things out on we typed out letters on typewriters. Yeah. Um, do I have to explain to him? What yeah, a you'll probably have is? to yeah. explain yeah. one time. Do I have to explain to you what a letter is? <laughs> See, I still give people lessons. It comes up in in our communications when you're talking right. BCD and what a carriage return line feed means. That's at the end of a line. What does you that mean? You never use the typewriter. It's a typewriter. Before? Carriage returns when the whole carriage moves across that way. Right. By the way, but that wasn't where we were going. Yeah. Uh, I forget where we were going. Yeah, go on. Uh, advice for retirement. Oh, ah, yes. 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 So on mobile phones, I've never had to have my own mobile phone. Mm. Hmm. So I've got one mobile phone number. Right. And it's for the 30 years I've had a mobile phone, or I don't know how long it's been, 20-something years. I've never had my own number. So every institution I've ever had to give a number to has my work number. I've never had to have my own email address. So every institution, be it the bank, MyGov, Aussie Disposals, if you're always using the company details, you'll very quickly discover that you've left yourself in a bit of a spot because you've got to change You're something. a ghost, basically. Yeah. Sure. Now <laughs> we're going to send you a confirmation code. I don't send the confirmation code to my old phone number. That's mm. just going to get answered by my old boss. <laughs> That's not going to help. So I'm on the telephone ringing up all these institutions trying to explain to them that no, I'm not a scammer. I'm not doing identity theft. But I don't work there anymore. You can't send. And most places don't have people to talk to. So some advice if you're getting ready to move off, you have your own mobile phone. You Keep that stuff separate. Right. I did I did have another email address to be honest. I had a I have a hotmail address. Um but I only used that for the Aussie disposals or Facebook or whatever that I didn't want stuff flooding into my work email. So I was able to revert to that and then had to go through get rid of unsubscribe from all the things I'd never looked at for five years. I hadn't opened that hotmail account. Um so, yeah, the first bit of advice is get your stuff together before you find that and, and never use your work address on these things if you don't have control of it. That was my biggest well, bit of retirement advice. We had some other philosophies we were going to get to. Yeah, which yeah. one? Well, I, I mentioned the garden philosopher. Oh, yeah. The garden philosopher. Yes, yeah. Go on. Uh, I said time is running out, you're doing very well. That's fine. So, a bit of time in the garden, even over the last 10, 20 years, but recently the time in the garden gives you a little bit more time to think about things. And I think about pruning. And something I heard a long time ago, when you prune something, when when you cut something off, You've got a plan. Okay, we'll go into that in a minute, but the planning of the pruning is important. But when you make that cut, you no longer have to worry about that one. Whatever you've done, because you can't put it back on. That's right. That's gone. Mm. Mm. So pruning, while it's important, it's not something you can worry about after you cut. When you are planning your cuts, you've got to look at 
what to take out first. There's dead wood. Dead wood, clearly you're going to cut out the dead wood. Stuff that's not productive, it's dead, it's not going anywhere. That, that dead wood is only going to bring in disease and pests. So your next job is to go searching for dead wood and take it. Clear out, it out. Clear out the dead wood. Mm. And then you have a look and see what what shape has this thing got to go in now. So you you may take off some pieces because your pruning has a big impact on what's going to happen in the future. So you take off the bits that you, you don't want to go that way. You trim back some significant ones that you do want to sprout from there. It's, Harmon's got this grin. He says, "No, I think life is a garden." I'm actually thinking because what you're saying makes sense because I I agree with the deadwood um, philosophy. And please do go on. Don't stop. Please do go on. Well, you interrupted. I didn't interrupt. Phil just noticed <laughs> I was smiling because I was actually thinking yeah. of me doing it. Uh, yeah. Please go on. So, yeah. So, deadwood pruning, right. other prunings. You're looking for that new growth. If you walk. I, I love working in the garden, and this time of year, in the last couple of months, is a a fabulous time to be working in a garden and seeing that new growth popping up everywhere. Right. So if you're spending a lot of time in the garden, you're seeing this new growth. If you look back to when you were doing your pruning and you're thinking, when, when are we going to prune next? You know that that's going to encourage new growth. And Harmon may have been guessing something a while ago, but we're not talking about the garden, yeah? Of course. Mm. Of course. Yeah, we're talking about life. Yeah. Life and work. And mm. if I was running an office, for example, and you can apply this to all these different parts of your life, if I was doing some pruning, you know, you're looking for dead wood that's not productive, it's not going anywhere, it's just going to be a cause of problems in the future. Right. So that can go. Be careful pruning for new growth because... It's a direction you want to go in. If you don't prune, you end up with a, a mess. Uh, you can have a ramshackle, we'll go the roses for the moment, but you have a ramshackle rose that's full of dead wood and it's just pouring all over the place. Still seems to have flowers, but you know, not so much. Not so much of that healthy new growth. So there's dead wood, there's old wood. Some of the old wood you want to leave there. Right. Because it's still going to shoot. That's still there supporting the new and we go back to um, another little philosophy on um, and it was again something that came up in my farewell speech but it was something that's been in my mind for a long time is that the things we do now we haven't done on our own whatever you're doing everything is built on what came just before you so within the company setting these great things that we've achieved in the company there's fabulous products that we put out or this way we've gone. There was somebody before you who you're, you're actually building on someone else's work. So the expression they use is we, we stand on the shoulders of giants to get where we are now. And that, that's happened through our company right from the beginning. So in my speech I talked about the, uh, the very inception of the company and this, and this slogan that we had at the time and the reputation that the company had. And uh, over 100 years later, 123 years later, everything that we're doing now, I think, aren't we good? Everything has been built on what somebody else has done before. And it's the same in the garden. So 
I was pruning a, a different rose and an arbor that's full of uh, jasmine and rose and all intermingled together. So it's a bit of a mess in there. And I started taking out all this clearly dead stuff. It, it had to go. And the more and more I took out of the dead stuff, I realised I probably went a little bit far because now I'm getting a lot of light through this thing. I thought, ooh, mm. some of that dead stuff was actually holding this thing up. It was it's kind of taking care of itself. You do have to prune it, you have to train it. But that old wood, your new growth, it comes from the old wood. You don't cut everything back to raw and start again, but you, you shape things by this little bit of pruning. And the secateurs, of course, they need to be sharp. Right. So when you cut, you cut. Clean cut. Well, not a jagged edge. And that's <laughs> gardens for you. That's gardens for Garden you. Garden of Eden. So some things need pruning. Right. Some things need tending. Yeah, that, that new growth that comes every year is fabulous. But it's all coming on growth that's you know, years old. Without it, you wouldn't get that new, new buds. Why? That's it's profound. Well, this has been amazing. Well, I'll have to no, seriously, I'll have to listen to it again because this is really good. Dan, if not, if you don't have any other questions, I think that's a really good time yeah. to wrap this up, man. Yeah, it's a good place to end. Thank you for coming in. Thank you, Phil. Enjoy your well, retirement. Thank you. I am happy that you guys took that leap of faith yeah. and just did it. Yes, sir. Yeah. We all have to do those occasionally. We've I've done some myself um, from time to time. Recently, we we took something of a leap of faith, and it was planning for the future. Just in the winding up, we, when we bought that camper, right? My wife came along with the. We, we both had. Well, I had. We both had an idea kind of separately, but come time to do it, that was a a big step. That putting mm. uh, what spare money we had into this thing and getting ready for our next life which I decided would happen in about three years or three days, as it turned out. <laughs> Got back. Quick change in plans. Um, so, yes, we've taken that leap of faith and every now and then you've got to do that and you guys have done well doing one, doing that thing. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Appreciate that. The, uh, you're, you're, I would also like to end this podcast with Phil Highland is one of our consistent listeners and it's... Um, it, Thank you, though. Yeah, I'll sum it up in that. Thank you for believing in us because that's it's not often people do believe in other people. So we appreciate I'm, you I'm, and your time. I'm honoured to be sitting in the same chair as some of your guests have been from opera stars, right, comedians. People have got no idea who they were or what they were doing on the show, but turned yeah. out really interesting discussions. Yeah. It's been really good. Thank you. Thank you. So, thank you. Guys. Thanks. Bye, everybody. Bye.